And this is Jay Taft. Once again, welcome back. We're here with the weekly sports podcast, Not Just a Game. And this week we're going a little different. We're going to keep it visual with you as well. And uh, so we've got some video and some audio because we have an awesome guest this week. Once again, we're bringing on Northern Illinois University Athletic Director and Associate Vice President, Sean Frazier. Sean, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're a busy man. Thank you, sir. No problem, Jay. I appreciate it. You know, I, I'm we're, hoping. We're, getting, we're getting through it. <laughs> yes, I'm hoping you, your family, everybody healthy right now. Yeah, we're all healthy. Just in uh, transition mode of, uh, uh, you know, the, the middle of the summer and the different activities, COVID-19, race relations, uh, budget, you know, all the, all the great things in life. <laughs> A lot going on right now, isn't there? Absolutely. My goodness. Well, let's try and squeeze in as much as we can in 15 or 20 minutes here. Now, seventh year over there as the AD and associate VP. Um, I think in that time, you've got eight Mid-American Conference titles, four in football. Uh, you've helped the university and the athletic department raise a lot of money. You've continued and maybe even improved on the great academic reputation over there. So it's been, it had been a, a smooth, nice seven year start. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then we hit mid March. Um, you you got to walk us back and just kind of take us through that craziness that you guys went through back then. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's tough. You know, we're still dealing with it now, and um, you know, it's it's interesting to kind of watch it. It's more surreal, you know. Obviously, uh, with the whole social distancing now, which is commonplace, you know, wearing masks, which is commonplace. Uh, but you know, what's not common uh, place is the fact that people are still dying uh, from COVID nineteen. Uh, we're still uh, seeing an uptick in uh, in the virus uh, with no vaccine. Uh, we're still seeing uh, a, a lot of lifestyle changes. So, you know, going back to March, you know, where we had just finished up a pretty successful uh, basketball, men's basketball uh, run uh, and getting a uh, bye to our conference championship, uh, that's where it really hit us a lot. We knew that we the virus was here and we would have to social distance and we made a, a deliberate decision to have no fans at the championship site and only the players and staff, but no one really understand the impact uh, as we got the night before the actual time that we were going to play, uh, when the NBA uh, made it a decision to cancel all contests. That was the watershed moment, if you remember. Uh, and then the next day, we went into a series of meetings, taking a look at and re-examining uh, if we could keep people safe. And they ultimately made the decision to cancel the tournament. And then everything started to escalate further to that with the NCAA uh, terminating spring sports. And then it just kept on, kept on, kept on as far as cancellation of events and different activities. So that was really, you know, uh, goodness, that was uh, shocking, disturbing, uh, emotional, you know, all those adjectives. Uh, but it really changed the, the lifestyle that we know it as so-called being normal uh, uh, with, with intercollegiate athletics. Not much you can do to prepare for something like that. I mean, you've been in the industry 20-some years coming up on 30. I mean, there is nothing that can prepare you for what you went through these past three months. Is yeah, it? there's no question about it. There was, you know, I was, I, we're going through uh, evaluations and we're conducting business, 
through uh, obviously uh, virtually and through uh, uh, different mediums. And I just got off an evaluation with the head coach, and we talked about the uh, pandemic. We talked about you know we talked about the racial issues or racial issues that we're currently dealing with right now. We talked about what the effect of the pandemic has on the economic by. Uh, 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 vitality of our industry and, and several industries across the country. So yeah, this is like the perfect storm. You know what I'm saying? You're like I'm out at sea someplace and I'm hitting a gale force on one side. I got a you know a major storm on the other side, and, I, and I've got to figure out how to you know keep on the ship and make sure the ship doesn't sink at the same time. So yeah, it's quite significant. Uh, I, I gotta say, when I said to the head coach, he said if I hadn't had some of the experiences that I've had in my life. Uh, it probably would be a little different for me. Obviously, I don't have any more hair on my head, and I've been around. Um, uh, I'm a 52 year old man that that's seen some stuff. Nothing like a pandemic, but I've seen some stuff, and that's given me at least a good sense of my staff and the people I work with, and our donors and our our senior leadership to kind of get people close, so we don't flinch during this time. You've already mentioned the the unrest in our country that's gone, you know, hand in hand now with this pandemic. Um, give us an idea of how, how, what you've seen over there in the DeKalb area and in the Northern Illinois University campus um, that reflects what we're all hoping is gonna be some change in this country. Well, there's, there's a couple of tracks, you know, we can kind of go back, you know, COVID, the COVID scenario and then you got the, you know, the social justice uh, mandate, the, the, the emotional shift. You know, we've had it. You know, we've had, you know, our town of DeKalb and Sycamore that, you know, really make up the community of DeKalb County and, and, and DeKalb uh, and NIU proper. Yeah, we've had our share of, uh, you know, uh, of, of, of issues where, you know, businesses are shut down and they're starting through the staging process of the state, able to open up to some degree. But we've had we've had serious economic hardship because of COVID-19. As you can imagine, people are not, you know, getting their hair cut. They're not going out and having what I would say normal interactions you would have because of the shutdown, the, the shelter-in-place edict. And then we've had this race relation component where we've had multiple marches and protests and we've had some looting and yeah, it, you know, this has been uh, um, a, a mood swing that's been uh, pretty incredible. Yes. Uh, and, and, and it's affected not just one group of people, right? It, it affected all of us mm -hmm. in a very way where some of us are just afraid to leave the house, maybe because of COVID, maybe because of racial issues or social justice. But it's just uh, from a mental health, we've seen the increase in the uptick of mental health issues because of everything happening at one time. Yeah. And it's been a challenge as an educator, father, husband, to try to, you know, living in the community, I've lived in both DeKalb for four years and now I'm coming up in my fourth year in Sycamore. Right. So I've been in both communities yeah. right. watching this and very heavily active, obviously, in both communities. And uh, yeah, it's, it's real personal. It's real personal to me uh, on how things are happening. Are we headed in the right direction when we're talking about the the unrest and the protests for police brutality and just the equality that most of us are searching for? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm always a glass half full guy. Uh, my background, a lot of folks don't know, 
You know, my brother's a police officer in Massachusetts. My father was a police officer, federal correctional officer. I have a long history of law enforcement. My wife uh, is an attorney, a lawyer. Um, I have a different lens. You know, if you can imagine a black police officer, I'm an African-American. Think about a, what, what a black police officer, or a person of color who's a police officer right now is dealing yeah. with it. Yeah. Think about that in the front lines. So those discussions are interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then with my background, with my family as a part of that, and then understanding the atrocities that have happened to black and brown people and the track record of that, that brutality, yeah. and what happened up in Minis uh, uh, Minnesota. Yeah, you can't deny any of that. Ooh, yeah. you know, so some of the stuff is, you know, for me, it's a human rights issue as a black man living in, in the United yeah. States of America. That was a human rights issue. And then people are just tired. They're fed up. And they want to come together and understand. And they want to make sure that they have equality. Uh, and at this day and age, 2020, that we're, we're talking about this, it's just disturbing. It it's really disturbing. It's so I think that part of us now is just now for us to, for me to be a connector of people, me to be able to give my perspective and only talk from experience, because I, I can only give you that. Uh, but I think it's, I, I, I'm hoping, Jay, it's going to get better. I, I can't give you a definitive, yes, it's going to get better or we're in the right track. Yeah. I just got to just keep my head down, talk about the issues, bring people together, look for a common ground. That's, that's really my, that's my stick right now to, to help out the process. We have to believe in each other. Correct. And it's just so hard sometimes. Yeah. I, I can't watch Twitter videos anymore. It's just disturbing. Yeah. And so, we, but we have to have faith and we have to hope. And so I think it's the belief that it's getting better and it's going to be better yes. um, when we're talking about that regards. Yes. Um, get Hit on COVID. I know you're a Long Island New York native. I have my best friend and sister lives there. I have a lot of family up there. Yeah. And she has gone through the ringer. And a lot of people in that region have been through the COVID ringer. Do you know of, are you close with anybody who's gone through the, oh, yeah. the coronavirus? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, my wife, both, both me and my wife were from New York. You know, I grew up in Queens and then Obviously, uh, half of the Queens and obviously half of it on Long Island and Huntington, Centerport area. Nice. My wife, though, grew up in Spanish Harlem, 126th Street. Okay. So, and unfortunately for her and our family, she has lost people. <laughs> it's been and, a war. Uh, and it's been unbelievable. My <laughs> mother is, uh, uh, is kind of semi-retired or basically retired. She's in South Amboy, New Jersey. Uh, so, yeah, my people... Uh, my my family components are, are there, and we and we have we we have lost folks, and we are very close to what's going on in the hot spots uh, uh, of COVID, and uh, very concerned about that. That's the number one thing. That's you know one thing is about the protests and civil unrest, and then the other part about this is just that this uptick of COVID nineteen has been quite significant, and uh, it, we have affect it's affected our lives. It really has. It seems like people who know somebody who's been directly affected or infected or those who are close to New Yorkers or something, you know, seem to feel it a little bit more taking this a little bit seriously, more seriously. Um, it's, 
but it's just about everybody nowadays knows somebody who's been affected. What you've got, your student athletes have kind of slowly been trekking their way back onto campus and you're getting that back going again. First of all, give us an idea of what they're going through. What's the new process to bringing everybody back in and making sure you're doing it right and what is this the mindset of the student athletes that you can you gauge kind of how they're feeling as they're coming back yeah well it's a pretty complex process right we're going through the COVID testing uh we're going through physicals we're going through uh you know tracing if if someone does test positive Uh, so yeah it's a pretty i tell you it's a pretty comprehensive process Uh, our people are really good working with the DeKalb health department uh, working with obviously uh, the officials within the state, uh, our clinicians, the experts. So there's like there's a layers of layers of layers because you know at the end of the day we still don't know everything about this virus. I, I'm I'm at a you know I'm not a clinician or a doctor, but uh, I have enough information to be dangerous because I'm in the trenches with okay testing. Okay, what does this mean? How infectious is it? Who gets it? And who has to also be checked because they were with that individual and tracing those particular so. There's a point where it's clear that this thing has uh, mutated a couple of times. There's different strands have mutated. Uh, there's some people who could have it, you know, asymptomatic and don't even know they have it and then pass it to the next person. And so there's so much that we don't know about COVID-19. It keeps us even more uh, 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 making sure that all of our procedures that we do have in the place are solid because we, we may think we're doing it the right way. We might think that this is the way to do it, but we could be doing it wrong because we don't have enough information. We're still getting the information from the professionals and that, that's coming down. But we have uh, spent, spent as well as made sure that we've educated ourselves uh, to a point where we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep health and safety job one. And that's not just for the student athletes, for the staff, for uh, the community and everything else. So we've have just three teams back now, uh, football, uh, men's women's basketball. And uh, what we've done now is, you know, continuously. All right, now we got a 4th of July weekend. You know, uh, those kids can't go away. The ones that have to go away, they have to come back. They have to retest it, go back to a quarantine scenario. So every action is an, is an equal reaction to make sure we're keeping people safe. And it's very deliberate and very intentional. And it is frustrating because, you know, the testing process that we have, you know, swabbing up by the nasal cavity and, and all the things that are necessary to get the right response back. So we can definitively say that that individual does not have COVID. That individual does have COVID. Do you see what I'm saying? So we're, it's, a, it's a very labor-intensive uh, process right now to make sure everybody is safe. Now, are you guys not releasing whether you have any positive cases or not? Correct. We are not. That's based on the, the, the rules that we have relative to confidentiality to really keep safe the victims as well as the individuals in our, in our program. So I will not be releasing any. Now, we have heard of some programs who are finding some different cases right now. Give us an idea of, I don't want to work in hypotheticals, but maybe you have a plan in place for if you do get a positive case um, within one of those three teams. Yeah, so it's, they're pretty standard throughout everyone's process where there's a quarantine. 
minimum of 14 day quarantine. Uh, and then we have a location by which they would quarantine, and then we have a process to make sure that that individual is being taken care of, food, medical, what have you. Uh, so it is a pretty labor process uh, where to make sure that individual is taken care of, and then there's no reinfection and no affecting someone else. So yeah, there is, and we all have that on, on a lot of our college campuses right now. Uh, but yeah, you know, the tracing, uh, the tracing of the individual, so the individual uh, got infected, then okay, who did that individual interact? Was there a roommate situation? Was there an interaction? When's the last time that person uh, interacted with X, Y, and Z? So that's very important that. in your yeah. yeah in that kind very, of very much so. So there's a there's a significant process in place to do that uh, and to educate so we can then get to the the number one deal. Did you get this because you were out protesting? Did you get this because you went to the supermarket? Yeah, did you get this because mom and dad gave were you out of the country? There's all this types of stuff that are put in the blender so we can get to the core uh, of the matter. Okay. Um, let let's talk about the the near future here. And I know there's so it's so fluid right now, and there's there's so much that we still you as you mentioned we still don't know. Um, but give me an idea of what your what plans are in place for the fall and, and to get athletics going? And then is there also, again, I've used this term already, plan B's in place for, um, because as, as you mentioned, there's been resurgences already in other parts of the country. Um, we have to prepare. Are you, what, what are we looking at for the fall, fall sports? Well, it's, we still have a fair amount of uh, uncertainty. Uh, unfortunately, the party line right now is that I, I really don't know. I, I do know that we are planning to play football in our fall sports in the fall, right now, as we speak. Right. And it's July 2nd, right? So July 2nd, we are <laughs> planning to play. Uh, having said that, uh, we are meeting daily on the different scenarios that it might look like. If we uh, do not get the all good and we can ensure that we won't have mass infections and and, and cannot uh, uh, prevent uh, any issues relative to COVID-19, uh, uh, we will not have a, a, a fall. I'm quite sure the leaders above me and the leaders that will be making those final decisions as we work together, uh, we need to have a definitive environment that we can provide health and safety. And that's not just for the student athletes, that's for the staff, that's for the fan base, that's for those who are interaction uh, um, in, in our group settings. Uh, we do know that we'll never go to stage five for Illinois because that uh, uh, for for the fall because that means you, we would have a vaccine at that point. So we do know that a vaccine will not occur in a month and a half from now. We know that. So so therefore that we we're in this constant checking. We're we're in constant uh, making sure that we have the protocols. We have several scenarios in place where okay, say if it's uh, a a postponement. Uh, of the of the fall sports, what does that look like? What is the modeling behind that? Uh, so we have all those particular models happening. Absolutely no fans. Well, that's another one. We we're, we're reduced amount of fans, maybe ten percent, five percent, twenty percent reduction in the in the stadium. Those all those the scenarios that we're working on right now. So just so even if we were lucky enough to have competition, it won't look like anything that we've seen in the past relative to a fan-friendly environment. 
So I'm trying to manage those expectations right now. So these types of mediums are good so the fan base understands. When you come to Husky Stadium, when you come to Convocation Center, when you come to any of our venues, and we are lucky enough to carry on with competition, it won't look like anything that we have had in the past because there will be a reduction in social, dis- social distancing that we must maintain to keep health and safety. My, how your job has changed over the past few months, hasn't it? You just have, you have to adapt. Um, I have to ask you about, um, I mean, when you're talking about student athletes coming in, these guys are 19, 20, 21 year old, healthy, healthy young men and women. Um, but that's not everybody that's involved in these teams and in these athletic departments. You have coaches, you have different staff members. I'm assuming some of which fall into the age, the age group, which is, um, you know, uh, definitely in the, in the more threatened zone. And then even in the health categories that, that might worry some people, are you dealing with anybody that, that is worried about coming back to work right now? Well, I, I'm, I'm in that category, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let, let's just come it out there, you know. I'm, the door. <laughs> you know. I'm sitting right in that category. I'm high risk right now as you, as you look at me, you know what I'm saying? And my wife reminds me of that. And she's, uh, she's got some respiratory issues. So bringing, bringing home COVID is not high on the agenda on any level. So, so yeah, we do have coaches. We do have staff. Uh, that do fall into that category, the high-risk uh, uh, situation. And that's why I keep on prefacing the fact that I want to protect my student-athletes, but I also need to protect the, uh, the staff that are protecting the student-athletes. So, um, yeah, we have to pay attention to that because yeah. I think that and a it's lot a of folks – it's a case-by-case kind of thing. You... Or, or it is, but the way you, way you mitigate that is that you stick to the protocols that you say that you are going to do – and not make changes, being consistent with that, just because the fact that the person may be a staff person or a coach or have access. Well, no, you wear your mask, you practice social distancing, you make sure we sanitize uh, certain facilities, and you need to do that in a very aggressive manner to make sure you keep that. Sure. I think that people, people, for some reason, have gotten lax uh, as you're watching the uptick of this is because people are tired of being cooped up. Yes. They're tired of not having the basic necessities of, of what they perceive is that is necessary. And I think they've let their guard down. And mm-hmm. I think when you leave your guard down, you're seeing now the upticking of, of, uh, of cases and, quite frankly, the rollback of allowing that. You've seen that in several states. I believe Texas, Florida, Arizona. There's been some things now that uh, the states have said, oh, you know what, we – you shouldn't have left the band too early. Now we got to go back to more restrictive behavior. So I applaud the state of Illinois uh, 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 leadership. Uh, I do believe that it's been aggressive, you know, maybe a, a little bit too aggressive sometimes in the way it has been articulated. But I definitely, I definitely uh, uh, respect it and applaud it because, we're, you know, that hardline attitude has protected us. And uh, uh, I, for one, in the high-risk group and taking care of student-athletes and coaches – I appreciate that because I would hate that we would have massive amounts of cases and other types of things because of the fact that we didn't do the basics to keep people, all people safe. Yeah. Um, this, this has been great. And I could, I could pick your brain for hours. Um, Sean Frazier, NIU athletic director. I really appreciate your time. I know this has been such a, 
such a tricky time for you and and for everybody around you. Um, tell us, is there's uh, an overriding message that you're giving your employees, your student athletes right now to help keep them positive and get them through this and keep them safe? I mean, uh, yeah. well, I don't have a magic a magic uh, inspirational saying, but I will say this. I think that I think that a lot of us, especially at NIU, we work extremely hard to make sure that we educate uh, our young people, our staff, our citizenship to society. We do this on a daily basis. We do it really well. We've got a great system here at NIU. But I think the biggest issue here now is that this is not the norm, right? There's nothing normal about what we're doing. This is uncharted water, so to speak. And it's going to take a little extra creativity to keep people safe. And the only way we can do that is lead from the chair that we are at. And when I say that is that we don't have to be the AD, you don't have to be the president, you don't have to be the professor or the head coach. Everybody takes a personal responsibility of making sure that health and safety is job one. And we will beat this thing. And this too shall pass. Because I think ultimately people are so so scared because of all the different issues that we just went through during this this podcast that they get frozen and they get there's so much fear and anxiety that they can't seem to move it's it's very burdensome and i get that but i think if you feel that you can't make an impact that is incorrect you can you can lead from the chair that you sit in no matter what capacity you're in by taking personal responsibility Mm. of your actions so i've been saying that to the staff that yeah you're right you might not be around that room making that final decision, or maybe you are in that room making that final decision. But there's one thing I can do is I can control my actions. I can put a mask on. I can make sure that I'm not in certain environments. I, I, I can make sure that I'm not uh, involved in certain environments that are high risk. And, and if I do that, if I do it and everybody else does that, I think we got this thing on the ropes. And I think that's kind of where we are because at some point we'll get a vaccine At some point, we will uh, get in front of the curve. And at some point, this too will be just like the other viruses throughout our history. Spanish flu, whooping cough, black plague, all these different things, right? We're still here. Mm -hmm. Humans are still on on the planet. And we've had some whoppers of uh, of diseases that have almost wiped out Ebola. I can go through all and all. There's always some major crisis around a disease that, that we haven't heard of. But... Somehow, we've been able to defeat it. And I think that it, it comes down to that. Work together, care about others, respect others. I mean, that's kind of a, a, a groundwork for a lot of this stuff we're dealing with in our world, isn't it? Right. That's what it is. It's just paying attention, some good old-fashioned common sense, as my grandmother used to say down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yes. Maybe use common sense. Yes. I, didn't, I didn't understand what she was talking about. She was, you know what? Just use common sense. Oh, you know, I know you're getting educated down there in Tuscaloosa, but let me help you with this. Use common sense. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot. <laughs> well put, Sean Frazier. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This has been fun as heck. Um, and intense. The stuff we're talking about is just intense. Um, so thank you for sitting down with us. I really appreciate it. Not, not a problem, Jay. Anytime it's good to... Uh, keep on doing what you're doing, getting the message out. I think people need to hear more of these types of conversations um, because sometimes they feel alone, like we just talked about. So good. I wish you 
safety with you and your family and anything that uh, we can do at NIU for you, please just let us know. Thank you, sir. You too. And thanks again.